This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 99 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, And we have one more until our 100th episode, Joshua. I'm super excited about that, um, but we'll wait to celebrate. I want to talk to you about last week. How'd everything go? How did it all play out? Because mine was crazy waking up every morning at 6.30 a.m. seeing if there was a new COVID-19 um, positive test for the Titans. It continues. Yeah, it uh, had to be a bit of a weird situation for you in following all of that. And like, I, I guess... That same anxiety that you have, because it's inevitable, like, you know, and a couple other teams have had some cases, Titans probably the poster child for um, the COVID outbreaks in the NFL, but it was inevitable, it was going to happen, it was going to be some team. I have that same anxiety about the Big Ten season, yeah, and, and potentially what happens there, but I, I couldn't imagine, based off of what you do, because your, your whole schedule and your ability to do your job is literally predicated off of at least a large part of it off of the Titans being out there playing football. No, you're exactly right. And this time of the year, we're used to a specific schedule that we follow and we're used to having games on Sundays that we cover. And that has not been the case for the last week and a half. And so it is definitely a learning experience just like 2020 has been, but I'm just hoping that they play football this week and we can get back to some sense of normalcy, just like college football is, is kind of finding its way through the season. Not to say that there aren't things that frustrate me and we'll get to some of that later on in the podcast, but I do want to throw out this week's AP poll Uh, coming in in the top spot is still Clemson with 59 first place votes, Alabama in that two spot with two votes and Georgia in the three spot with one vote, Notre Dame uh, at that four spot. And then, Oh my goodness, we've got North Carolina in the top five. Can I believe my eyes? Yes, I can. All right, Ohio State uh, in the sixth spot. Oklahoma State Hmm. in the top ten still. Yeah, at number seven. Love it. Cincinnati at eight. Penn State at number nine. Another Big Ten school there. And then Florida dropping down to that ten spot. What do you have to say about North Carolina? Let's let's chat about a few things. First off, I want to let the people know. I haven't had my coffee yet, Kayla. I don't know if you've had Okay, I'm sipping on mine right now. Oh, by the way, we moved this to the morning this week, guys. 
Yes, I felt like it was very important to say that because I th- I think we've been delivering pretty good work. And mm-hmm. so if if we're maybe a little sluggish <laughs> today, you can blame the you know morning why? for that. Right? But here's the deal. North Carolina, they played really good ball up to this point. I have yeah. nothing to criticize them over except for the fact that only three of the Power Five conferences are playing right now. Right. I don't think North yeah. Carolina is a, a top five team. No right now i think i think you make a case in a normal year that they they could probably be a top 10 team like that number 10 spot i think that they could occupy i think Mm -hmm. that easily they're top 12 top 15 right now in a regular year you can't get me to top five same thing with oklahoma state i don't have a lot of confidence in their conference to begin with nope and so based off of that alone i feel like that regresses how i the opinion i hold of them they're not number seven um Cincinnati love them to death I think they should be a top 15 team they're definitely not top 10 and the reality of the situation for Florida is they are lucky to be in the top 10 right now based off the fact that we don't have everybody playing they absolutely shouldn't be uh, based off of their performance and I think the writing was on the wall and, and even I got to retract what I said about them I thought their defense was maybe a little bit better than it actually is and, and the, the signs were there that um you know their wasn't. defense and Lane Kiffin did to Florida the same thing that he did to Alabama. So you kind of have to look at that in a vacuum. And they had some missteps against South Carolina for sure. Uh, but their performances last week, I think, solidified that they still have to continue to improve uh, defensively. Offensively, they're a very good team, and I won't take anything away from them. I hate looking at the polls right now. Just I know you do. Of, but I got to put um, them out there just so we can talk about it, you know? I know, but I just I get so daggone fired up. Looking at these things now, let's let's have actually this conversation because I think it's it's really interesting. Do you think that Alabama should have really gotten two first place votes and Georgia no. only got one? No, I not I at all. Prob- I probably would switch that, and yes. I actually would probably vote Georgia based off of what I saw against Tennessee. I'd put them in the two spot this week. I agree. I mm-hmm. think Georgia one hundred percent showed because people were were high on Tennessee and rightfully so that they could wear a team down because that was a game that was very close for a lot of it they wore down that good offensive line that Tennessee had their defensive front dominated and that's the thing I talked about last week is their defensive line I think has a case for best in America if not number one they're making Mm -hmm. a strong case for it Mm -hmm. and that's what they did to and we we now have realized that Auburn is not as good as we thought they were. No. But they dominated Auburn on both lines, offensively and defensively. And then they did the same thing to Tennessee. And it was more of a wear them out type of situation. They they just came on super strong with Auburn. But to me right now, you know, I think it's maybe the quarterback that people have questions about. Folks would trust uh, uh, Matt oh, Brown yeah. or Matt Brown, Matt Jones over Matt Jones, Stetson yeah. mm-hmm. what, Barnett or whatever. Stetson the, Bennett. Yeah, he's got like the, the it's such a weird name. That's such he, a weird name. But he's the fourth. He's got like the uh, I know the, the 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 railroad tycoon name, oh. you know. Like, but people people trust Mac over Stetson, which I I get, but I I, I don't do see too. it right now. No, I I I think that the voters in the first place, and look, I've been an AP bolt. AP voter, top 25 voter um, in college basketball. So I know what it's like, man. It's it's actually a tough job. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. You obviously have to follow everything if you're doing your job right. And you're not every 
every time going to get it right. But it, this is clearly like Alabama. People think that they're clearly better than Georgia still, even after the performance that we'll get into in a moment this past weekend. I also had to mention whoever voted USC into this week's top 25 poll, please DM me because I will literally rip, I'm going to rip you another one. What, like, what is Matt Leinart getting a vote? Like, what is going on here? Reggie Bush, who knows? Right? I mean, USC, come on. I know you guys want to get them back into existence in in the Pac-12, but, I mean, I didn't know. Did they play some pickup game that I didn't see? I don't know. It's (sighs) just, Here's here's my deal, too. USC 100% gets the Texas treatment. Of course they do. Like, and they haven't done any. I mean, they've those literally teams, been irrelevant. That's the deal. And excuse my French here, but um, you know <laughs> they say like innocent till proven guilty. These teams are ass until proven otherwise. In my mind, Texas remains ass. They are not back. <laughs> USC ass as well until they until prove they that can they wipe aren't. it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, we're honest on this podcast. If you don't like it, it's just not the podcast for you. I'm sorry. We're not going to sugarcoat things here. Let's get no, into our first segment. No, exactly. There's too many things out there like that. So I, I'll talk about the SEC first because uh, we saw a lot of games this weekend and it was entertaining at times and specifically um, the late game between Old Miss and Alabama. Yes, the reunion of Saban and Lane Kiffin, which we called the odd couple when they were at Alabama because they had so many made-for-TV moments on the sideline I could watch over and over and over. And they showed a little bit of that during the game, and I just found myself laughing to myself because it's just so funny every time I see them. But this was, I mean, this was a shootout, Joshua. When it was all said and done, Alabama, 723 yards of total offense, Old Miss, 647. And no, we were not talking about a game in the Big 12, folks. We're talking about a game in the SEC that involved Alabama, who, mind you, had at one time one of the most elite defenses in the country. And clearly things have shifted in the SEC since they started making offense a priority. What do you think of kind of how things have shifted um, with some of these games we used to see nine to seven, ten yeah, to seven? You know, it's just overall. I it's it's college football. I mean, you even look at some of the scores coming out of the Big Ten that we'll probably see this year. Sure. And you know, it's the same thing. SEC was it was known for uh, you know offenses that were kind of stagnant and uh, defenses that played you know really really well and, and could suffocate people and. Um, it just doesn't exist anymore. Here's the reality of the situation, though. The athletes that are available, the weapons that are available offensively, and mm-hmm. the offensive minds that get to sit back with a whiteboard and a clicker and look mm-hmm. at tape and, and draw up plays are so crazy. Like, the players that I see right now, Kyle Pitts will take, for example, didn't play in this game that we're talking about plays down the SEC. He's a cheat yeah. code. Can't guard him. Can't do yep. it. You can't put a defensive back on him. Linebacker's obviously going to get baptized. Don't know what to say about that guy. And then you (laughs) couple that with the fact that these offensive coordinators and um, offensive-minded head coaches, which a lot of them are, the way that they can draw up, scheme up plays to attack every pain point of a defense. Like, I'll sit there sometimes, 
and I'll watch some of the plays as they develop. And as a former defender, I'll be like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like if if my coach was going to sit there and tape and want to chew me out, be like, coach, that's fine. You tell me how to defend that because they literally hit every soft point of that defense. And Mm -hmm. like, it's, here's the deal. Some defenses structurally there. So no defense should have somebody wide open, but structurally there are some things that you can do to a defense to, to essentially make sure a guy is wide open, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what these offensive coordinators do. So Lane Kiffin, one of the best offensive minds, I believe in football. I, I truly do believe that to be true. He was going against his old employer. He knew exactly what yep. he needed to do against Alabama's defense to get guys open, to yep. get guys in space, to give himself a shot. And he did everything he needed to do. On the flip side of that, Ole Miss can't spell defense. They literally can't spell it. DJ Durkin, I don't know what the hell he's doing. And he's, I mean, he is a good coach. His defense doesn't stop anybody. Anything. And so that's how we get here. It couldn't stop a snail. Like, let's be real. It's, no, it is, it is crazy. And yeah, like you said, Durkin, I mean, he's a good coach, but it's just, everything has changed so much. And I've, I can honestly say this firsthand, like when I started my career in Montgomery, Alabama, covering both Auburn and Alabama back in 2006 and seven, it's just like night and day what I'm seeing now. But that's the evolution, like you said, of these offenses, uh, how different it is. Well, it did. So this win, because obviously Saban, you know, got the win. And so now Saban moves to 21 and 0 against his former assistants. And if you heard Lane Kiffin last week before the game, he pretty much says, you know, Nick Saban is the ultimate dad of all these. I mean, his coaching tree when it's all said and done is going to be insane. Mm-hmm. Like just there's so many guys that are under him now that have come from, you know, this Nick Saban book of coaching whether it be you're there as an intern coach or assistant, whatever it may be, most of these coaches go on and have head coaching opportunities. But Saban is now 21-0, like I said, against former assistants. That's pretty impressive. I mean, Nick Saban, I don't know how much longer you've got, bro, but let's just say um, I would retire while you're on top. Yeah, I I think he's going to be on top still for a few more years. Here's here's the, the wild part about that stat. It's not the fact that he's undefeated against former assistants. It's the fact that he's played in 21 contests against former assistants as head coaches. Think I about know. that. Think about how how developed, how grown your coaching tree is. If you can play in 21 games where the yeah. opposing head coach is one of your former assistants. And you know what's going to happen too? This is why Saban's guys are like that is Texas Tom, and we'll talk about him probably later, his ass is getting fired. So Texas Tom, there's probably a likelihood that he's going to end up at Alabama coaching some offense, whether it's quarterbacks, wide receivers, who knows? Chris Ash, he might be coaching linebackers at Alabama next year. Who knows? And those guys are likely to become head coaches again because Chris Ash is a very good coach. He's well-respected. He went from Ohio State, where he was a coordinator, to Rutgers, where he was head coach, and then Texas, which is another prestigious program as a coordinator again. Tom Herman went from Ohio State as a head coach, or, or excuse me, as an offensive coordinator, did a great job, went to Houston as head coach, is at Texas. They're, those are the type of guys that Saban pulls in because 
he doesn't have to worry about developing them as coaches. He, he knows those guys are pros. He'll let them do their thing. And then you're probably looking at another couple of contests here in the future where he's playing against those guys. It'll be absolutely interesting. Um, did you see where Saban implied that Lane Kiffin had some of the defensive signals and that's how he was able yes. to have success? Yes, that, that I That pissed did. me off. So, so okay, for the people who didn't see it, share what you, what the article was. It came out yesterday. I retweeted it, and you actually sent it to me. We were, like, thinking the same thing. Yes. So, essentially, Nick Saban pondered, implied that Lane Kiffin had the defensive signals for Alabama. So, essentially, Lane Kiffin was able to look at the signals and call his offense based off of what defense Alabama was getting into. Here's the issue I have with that is number one, Lane Kiffin said it, but before he even said it, um, those guys move so fast. They're not waiting on the defense to call a play. They're not right. They're, they're calling their offense. Then they're, they're snapping the ball and then, you know, they kind of go based off of that. But here's number two is if you are playing against somebody familiar with your program and you don't change your signals and it's been years. So he probably should have changed some of the signals already. But if you're playing against somebody who knows your program inside and out and you don't change your signals, that's your own damn fault. I don't want to hear it. No, I agree. I mean, let's be smart about this. We all we all know, first of all, that Lane has been circled or circling this on his calendar since the moment he took the Ole Miss job. I mean, this is obviously a game that, um, you know, both of them were probably anticipating. But I I'm with you on that. I mean, come on. You should know better at this point. 100%. 100%. You just make it too easy. Like we, I mean, we would do it at Ohio state. Like our, our, we kept our stuff mostly the same, but anytime we knew that there was somebody who had familiarity, we would, we would do, um, we would have a second set of signals and then we would have two signalers out there. So they wouldn't know who was actually doing the signals. Yeah. Like there's, there's that too. Even if you don't want to change your base signals, put three guys out there doing signals. One guy is live. And then that's how you go. Yeah. No, you're, I, maybe you need to like give some advice to some people there. Listen, Joshua. look, if Saban wants some advice, they got to pay for it because I know they got money over there. I ain't that's what I'm people. saying. I Shoot. mean, pay pay Joshua per week. Yeah, I, I mean, need I don't that think consulting fee. How, I need that retainer. That hard, right? I need that retainer, need that retainer fee. <laughs> get him it. Um, so really quickly before we move on, I did want to get to a couple more things. So I guess Jimbo Fisher was listening to our podcast last week because, um, yeah, because we ripped him a new one pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went in there and, uh, well, Florida went into his house, I should say, to, into Aggie land and they beat him. I mean, they upset Florida and we, and we mentioned Florida's defense is, is not anything to write home about, but at the same time, I mean, A&M had its own struggles and, I I really, I mean, I really think they needed that win for Jimbo. Yeah, they did. Is, you know, what I'm going to say. Not saying he's going to get fired or anything, but he needed to have some sort of win like that to get the program a little bit back in the right direction. Yeah, I think it gives validation more than anything else. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I I really think that. Because we were asking those questions, like, why'd you pay so much? What has he done to earn the contract? Well, yeah. He's like, I'll show you what I've done. And I, I believe that those types of wins, and he needs to start stacking them. But yeah. when you beat teams like Florida, which we all thought very highly of going into that game, you 
start to have that conversation about that's what he's done during the contract. That's why they paid him. Um, and, and to that point, too, his quarterback, Kellen Mond, look, looked way better. Yeah, he did. You know, we, we said that we needed to see more out of him. Yep. And I think we saw the, the level of quarterback that he can be. Now we just need yeah. the consistency aspect out of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I root for this guy. Believe me. I mean, I want Kellen Mond to be one of the elite quarterbacks in college football. He has the tools. It just it it didn't it didn't reach that point to where I thought it would at this you know time in his career. But uh, there's still the rest of the season. Let's see what we we can see out of that team and and uh, Jimbo Fisher. And then the last thing I wanted to get to in the SEC at least is please tell me you saw the message from Dan Mullen in his post-game presser yep okay well I thought of you right away because it is my final thoughts this week on my show that I stream online on Thursdays at 2 p.m shameless plug here uh, southeastern stream it's like a SEC prepare fans for kind of show and I do my final thoughts at the end of every broadcast and this definitely no-brainer was going to be my final thoughts this week because I just had such a strong take on it. So after Florida lost to A&M this past week, Dan Mullen went into his press conference and he kind of alluded to the fact that they had a advantage at the stadium. Most SEC venues, if you don't know, are allowing fans. A&M said they only had about 23,000. It looked like more than 23,000 for from my standpoint, maybe it wasn't. Uh, it didn't look like much social distancing going on. But regardless, it wasn't a full stadium, you know. And I don't think that Dan Mullen is should be complaining about the fans in an SEC venue, which they do every single week in a regular season. That that was like part of the reason why they lost. Well, then he goes on to say right after it that. He is calling the governor to tell him that they want a full stadium next we week go. in the swamp, 90,000, because the governor of Florida recently said that stadiums could open up in full capacity in the state of Florida. Mind you, the University of Florida did not say that that was okay, but yet Dan Mullen said he wanted that to happen. Are you, are you crazy, bro? Like, seriously, are you crazy? He's uh what, what is he thinking? So this it's it's two things that really pissed me off about this. I'm I'm very in line with you when it comes to this. So the first thing that really bothered me is the fact that he would blame losing the game on the fact that there was a crowd there. Okay, yeah. let's let's rewind. In a normal year, they would have had more people in that stadium. You probably would have lost worse than is what you're telling me, which which yep. still comes down to your ability to coach because it doesn't matter. I've played all kinds of different. So here's how about this for a stat? Four years I was at Ohio State. We never lost a true road game. Never lost one. Played at Penn State uh, twice. Whiteout conditions. Never lost a true road game. Crazy environment. Played in the big house. Didn't matter. Michigan State played there at night. Doesn't matter. So I'm I'm not trying to hear it about the the crowd noise and the fans and all that. Coach your team. How about yep. that? Coach yep. them. First exactly. off. Second off. What you're not gonna do in in a fit of irresponsibility and projection and and trying to distance yourself from the responsibility of not being able to coach your team to a win is put people in danger by saying, we want more people in the stands. Mm -hmm. And I get it. You're, you're the whole thing. Forgive me people who don't buy into this, but the whole state of Florida is very irresponsible when it comes to the handling of this pandemic. And I understand that it's a cultural thing, you know, like 
people are going to handle it how they want to, whatever. I'm not trying to control how people live. But I feel like it is so irresponsible. And considering that a lot of the people that would be trying to get into these games are college students who can't even go to classes like they would typically do. Most of them are at Zoom University right now. For you yep. to advocate and try to make a call that you need to have more people in there. How about your coach? Exactly. Huh? You, you need a crowd to win games? That means you suck as a coach. Yep. No, I, I completely Sheesh. agree. I couldn't believe it. Oh. I, I, I really was like, do we really have to go with this direction? No. With, with somebody saying something this ludicrous at, in a press game conference? It's, like, it's so disappointing. It, it was so cr- wild to me. So, yeah, I, I have no clue. I hope that Florida does not allow that. I think it would be a nightmare scenario. Look, college football, for the most part, is trucking along just fine. But we can see how easily things can snap, be completely different, and outbreaks can occur. I mean, I'm yeah. dealing with it here in Tennessee um, yep. with the Titans. I mean, I'm watching it yep. firsthand. And, and I don't think they knowingly did anything wrong. I no. think that the protocols were just, you know, not foolproof. Yep. But it, it, you know, when you're sitting there knowingly going to do something like this and have yep. 90,000 screaming, sweating fans, all, I mean, deal. to me, I, I can't even, I'm, tr- I'm trying deal. to visualize it and, and to, to see it is just crazy, right? And we learn from a, a very, um, a very prominent, very covered event that had about 120 people at it that was outdoor with no mm-hmm. distancing and no masks and saw, I think, 20 plus people contract yeah. COVID. And many of those people had to, to go to hospitals. And yeah. by the grace of God, a lot of those people were covered with really good insurance plans that are funded by us taxpayers. A lot of people who would be going to these Florida games or whatever schools yep. are trying to advocate for this right now wouldn't have the same luxury. And we see that it doesn't matter if you're inside or outside, doesn't matter if it's sunny, this thing spreads Yep. It doesn't it, it doesn't care about open air. It cares about mm-hmm. how much distance is between you and the next person and are you opening your mouth breathing on them. Exactly. Which you know there's going to be plenty of that at a Florida game against LSU. So um, crazy. Hope not to see that this week. Okay, well football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still get in on all the action with Bet Online. Bet Online, it going that extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching pros, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That is BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Moving into the Big 12, which is a big disaster, and what in the world? We knew this was going to happen. I I sent you a, a tweet, and I said, we predicted this on the show. Not sure like did. it was much to predict, but we predicted that it was just going to be oodles and oodles of points. I mean, they go into a fourth overtime in the Red River rivalry, and uh, Oklahoma sneaks out with a victory yeah. My goodness, Joshua, I know you were watching this game. It yeah. was just crazy. Oh, um, it was awful, to be completely honest. And I, I think yeah. on last week's show, I actually did predict that Oklahoma would win because yeah, Tom did. Herman was going to be coaching tight. Yep, that's exactly And we saw that. You like, if yep. you look at whenever they panned to the sideline and you looked at Tom Herman's expressions, you know, his 
you know, he looked exasperated. He was doing the the cobra pose. He had his hands on his knees, you know, like he was wincing. He looked like he was in pain. He was tight because he understood the gravity of if we don't win this, now that puts him as I think only one win in that rivalry his whole time as the coach of the Longhorns, which is bad. It also, I think, cements the fact that he's probably not back next year. And I don't know if they can fire him anytime soon because COVID budgets, they got to buy out his contract, but they probably got to buy out a portion of his contract. They fire him at the end of the year anyway. So why not just do it now? Neither here nor there. Um, Defensively for Texas, and I guess I'll go through all four of them. Defensively for Texas, they are so bad. It's not funny. And like I said, there, there aren't defenses that coaches call where players are supposed to be wide open or else coaches wouldn't call them. And mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley, for sure, is a really good offensive mind. So he's going to hit you and make you make the mistake where somebody's wide open. But there were a lot of unforced errors for Texas. They, they commit a lot of penalties. They don't tackle very well at all, which I know Chris Ash is just like, he's probably, he probably hasn't slept in weeks because of, just of the fact say. that these cats can't tackle. That's like yep. the one thing when he came in at Ohio State in 2014, that was my junior year, the one thing he harped on. Um, outside of learning how to run over cover four to perfection, the one defense that he is known for is the fact that he wanted us to be the best tackling team in America. And they can't yeah. do it. Um, nope. They suck in the trenches on the D-line. They're bad. Um, I, I mean, I can't say enough bad things about their defense. Offensively, Sam Ellinger is a, a good player, um, but he's definitely flawed, as we saw. Uh, he tries to force things sometimes. And, and he has to because... I don't know if he has, I don't know if he has the confidence in other facets of his offense. They can't run the ball. He probably with the doesn't. Running backs. No, I mean, the running backs can't run the ball. They're, they Those guys cannot run the ball with any type of success. I think they're soft on their O-line. They've got some good receiver play, and I think he's a good quarterback, but um, he's got to do it all. Flip it to Oklahoma. Uh, Spencer Rattler is very young, very inexperienced. Uh, I think he needs to get his confidence together. It's, it's going to be a work in progress for him. He's he's prone to making mistakes, turning the ball over, forcing throws, uh, all those kinds of things. And so I think this year was definitely going to be a little bit of an aberration for a Lincoln Riley offense where um, the quarterback just isn't very far along. And uh, to to their credit, they found ways to score enough points on Saturday to cover up for the mistakes that they made. But again, it's the defense for me. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, oh. I think you you screenshotted oh. Alex Grinch. Yeah. On the sideline, or you didn't screenshot, but you retweeted somebody who had yes. screenshotted him, and it was so yeah. funny. Hit the look on yeah. his face. It's and bad. speaking of the look on faces, I it it was so funny to me after they won. Like Lincoln Riley on the sideline looked like they had just won the national championship, and it was yeah. like, if this is what we're at. At this point of like the season in the Big 12, this is clearly not a great year for them. If no. this is what, how excited you're getting about. I, I get it. It's a rivalry, but it's a rivalry that is not very great right now. So, no, it's not. Yeah. I mean, both of those teams are struggling. Exactly. It's a reality situation. I don't think Texas has been back. I said it earlier. It's been a little while since they've been great, but for Lincoln Riley, like, you got to take the victories how you can get them this year because he understands as bad as this is, this is why they struggle. And I was going to tweet this the other day, but I just didn't end up tweeting it. You should have. Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's teams are not structured. They're not set up 
to have a bad offense. They have to have a good right. offense because their defense to. isn't stopping anybody. Mm-hmm. They're just not there this year. So I think he's kind of he's he's come to grips with that, and you know it is what it is for him now. But yeah, that's it's part of their issue is they were never going to be great this year because their offense was a step behind where they usually are. Yep, exactly. And that makes up for it most of the time in terms of making up for that bad defense. Well, I don't know if one of them are going to get into the college football playoff. I don't think it's, obviously it won't be them, but I don't think Oklahoma state is going to be that team either. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, Even though sports had a break, your business did not, you have to keep on moving and that makes hiring more important than ever and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike the other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You can only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. Uh, right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it faster. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply, and that is valid through December 31st. Before we go, we want to get to our Get to Know the Coach segment, and hopefully when the uh, Big Ten gets going here and the Pac-12 gets going, we'll start incorporating more coaches there too. But we are going to talk about a man that we dissed on last week that got a win this week, a big win over Florida. We just talked about it, uh, Mr. Jimbo Fisher. And I did a little bit of research on him just because we, again, we know a little bit about these coaches, but not like their background. And most of them have pretty meaty backgrounds in terms of where they've been along the path, because most of them don't just get to where they are easily. So the whole thing with Jimbo is, I don't know if you've ever wondered this, Joshua, but I always wondered, like, why is his name Jimbo? I'm I'm Um, thinking to myself, Jimbo is so bizarre. Like, why wouldn't he just be Jim? So uh, let me, let me tell this. I call my dad Jimbo. No, you do. Yes. And because my dad is James Edward Perry, the third. Oh, and and so people call him Jim. I call him Jimbo because he hates it. He hates that's not his name. It's not his nickname. He hates it. Yeah, he 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 goes by by Jim. That's what most people call him. I call him Jimbo because he hates it. But to your to to the point that's getting ready to come up, my dad comes from a long lineage <laughs> of Jameses and Jims. Yep. So there it is. No, I, I okay. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because The reason why he did change it to Jimbo is because, like you just said, there were just too many damn Jimbo or Jims in the household in his family. So he he just changed it to Jimbo, you know? Okay, I thought this was like maybe just a thing that happened once in a while, but you just proved my point, Joshua. No, and and again, it's a real thing. It's it's not it's not really a real thing in my family because nobody else calls him Jimbo, but Jimbo does exist. Yes. Jimbo does exist as an iteration of James or Jim. Yeah. That is a real life thing. And I could just, I can't, I would never be able to call Jimbo Jim. Like it just doesn't fit. Jimbo like fits him. Jim Fisher. Uh, Jim I mean, ew, that's awful. No way. James Fisher. James Fisher. No. That sounds like a fisherman, like a (laughs) captain of a ship. (laughs) 
James Fisher. All right. Uh, he, he actually, hey, this is, I respect this. Uh, he actually grew up in West Virginia, the son of a miner. So hardworking guy. You know, I mean, the miner life, guys, whew, that is yeah. like another lifestyle. Yeah. Among Jimbo's farm duties. Yes, he grew up on a farm. Tending to cattle, cutting hay. I mean, this guy was like the ultimate, like, hard worker from the get-go. Yeah, there was no a, there was no sugarcoating his lifestyle. No, as a kid, blue collar guy, hard hat, right? tail, the whole deal. And then for folks, because you know we've we've both lived in um, areas where we've seen farms and we've been around farm people. Yeah, tending to cattle is really hard work. Those are big, strong animals. Um, cutting hay yep. is difficult work. So it, it takes a, a a very tough, very strong, physically strong, but also strong willed person to do that kind of work because there's really no pat on the back. It's not glamorous and it's hard. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot of work. And so maybe that kind of prepared him for, you know, what he's become today, but he actually, I, I I didn't know how athletic Jimbo really was, but he was growing up. I mean, he actually was going to go to Clemson to play baseball, but then he decided football was more, you know, his style, what he wanted to do. So he went to Salem College and he played quarterback. If you wanted to know what position he played in college, um, he played quarterback under Terry Bowden. I don't, I, I had, I did not know that until I read that in his bio and I was like, whoa, that's really surprising. I, I did not even know. I didn't even know Jimbo was athletic. He doesn't like really look like the most athletic guy out there. You know, one thing I've learned is that, um, is that a lot of these head coaches, um, they don't look like athletes. They they weren't great athletes. They probably never played a ton. But a lot of them were college athletes, like quarterbacks, whether it was high level or even, you know, like Division three. And they were football junkies, football nerds. They love the game. Yeah. They study the game like crazy. Um, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Where in the hell is Salem College? Um, Let's see. I'm not quite sure, but I'm looking it up. Um. Okay put you on the spot i want to say it's somewhere close to where he was down there um north carolina okay yeah salem college yeah because i found it here we go did you see did you are you looking yeah yeah so salem college now salem university it's known as now that's interesting yeah i mean because i didn't even know like what it was but that's, um, let's see here. Mm-mm-mm. Sorry, guys. We're just like looking through I this know. thing. We're looking through this thing here. Yeah. So say, or actually, okay. So Salem University, it's in West Virginia. I gotcha. I yeah. Gotcha. So that's in West Virginia because there's two, I guess. So that's in West Virginia where he went and that's where he played under Terry Bowden. And then, yeah, played quarterback under Terry Bowden. Okay. So that's where Terry Bowden graduated from as well. Yeah, see, uh, we're connecting the dots here. I know. They've got they've got a number of former NFL players. Which is surprising. Like, graduates. I've not even heard of that. I've never heard of this school before either. That's, that's why I had to ask you about it. Yeah, we're learning stuff on the fly here, folks. Um, that's yeah. what we do here on Press Pass. Learning ourselves basketball player who played for the New York Knicks 
They had a Dang. former governor of West Virginia. I this mean, is like a little Rich Rodriguez graduated wait, from Salem. Rod, wait, Rich Rod did? Yes. No kidding. That is so wild. Here we oh, go. I, I mean, didn't I, know what Rich are we Rod. talking about? I'm learning so wow. much. This school has a hell of a history. Oh, this is great. I, I mean, I, I did not know the coachy or the uh, the coaches that uh, or players that have come underneath here until now. Good, good yeah, research go. job there. One, two, three, four, five, six former NFL players. Okay, that's impressive. Yeah, I've never that's heard of this impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jimbo, we give you more credit now instead of just saying what school is that. Now we <laughs> came what? from a, a, a school with a very storied history of producing yeah, right? fantastic coaches. Good God. Um, he actually, and Jimbo actually went pro if you want to call that uh pro, but he played in the AFL for a, a single season. They were called the Chicago bruisers, by the way. I think that's a great name. The Chicago bruisers is what the they were bruises. called. Yeah. in the AFL. And then this was also something I found really interesting considering this guy's like, I think Jimbo's 54, but he has actually had 11 surgeries in his lifetime, Ooh. 11 surgeries. And he's still, he's still out there coaching in the sec, you know, moving on the sidelines, but yeah, he's had everything from like broken bones in his foot. He's had torn cartilage in his knee numerous times, bad shoulders. Uh, it looks like he's doing okay. Hey, I, I give you I respect so. Jimbo. Give give Jimbo a little respect after we just gave you his whole bio. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a uh, not necessarily a huge Jimbo guy, but he's got a pretty interesting story. I'm here for it, isn't it? All right. Well, now you you know him just a little bit better. I promise I'll bring a big ten coach to the podcast next week, and it's got to I mean, be a big one. DJ, so it's I mean it's that's all good. true. But our hundredth episode, we have to have like we have to have like all the biggest and baddest. Okay, segments. so. We we if we're doing episode one hundred with a with a coach, we need to do probably if it's going to be out of the Big Ten, somebody who I would love to crap on, Jim Harbaugh. Because I mean, he's, let's he's do. Oh, I'm so pumped! I'm it's he's already on the list. I'm already go. putting him on the list. So next week, look forward to our get to know your coach segment. It will be Jim Harbaugh, just so that Joshua can rip on him. I think that's, that's fine. Deal. That's great. Uh, well, that does it for this episode of Press Pass. Thanks for sticking with us on a, a, a morning recording. Because again, we have been doing these in the evening. So if we were off our game a little, we apologize. We haven't had enough coffee this morning. Um, where can the followers <laughs> go to uh, follow you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP. Uh, this weekend, got into a little bit of crapping on Texas and Oklahoma, which was great. Um, if anybody Always. would like to join in on me uh, with football tweets or any hot takes that anybody might have, go ahead and holler at your boy because I'm always here for a hot take. He's always here for a hot take. I love reading the threads on Joshua's timeline. It is very entertaining. And you can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on both Instagram and Twitter as well. And we hope you guys have a great week. Hopefully this week is uh, better than last week, at least when it comes to what I've been experiencing. So good luck to your teams. We will be back here same place, same time next week. Take care, guys.